This podcast is sponsored by Canaan Valley Spa and Wellness Center in Davis, West Virginia, a new destination in Canaan Valley. Go to www.canaanvalleyspawwv.com to learn more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Exceptional Parents Extraordinary Challenges podcast. I'm here today with my co-host and partner in this operation, Angie Shockley. Angie, it's really good to see you. Good to see you. Good to be here. Very excited about this adventure. And where is here? It looks it looks rustic. <laughs> I am actually in Canaan Valley, West Virginia, and I'm sitting in my backyard. And the rain's on the roof, did you say? The rain's on the tin roof. It's pretty awesome. Oh, it's a beautiful life. So, Angie, um, we decided that the first episode that I would interview you, and one, because I think you're a fascinating character, and two, because I find you as I tell people about you, they think that I'm crazy or on drugs or you have you have compromising pictures of me or something because of the way <laughs> the way that I rave about you. And so I thought rather than everyone me, me writing about how great you are and how diverse you are, that we'd actually just kind of bring that out. So I first want to just because I'd be asking you questions and, you know, as a former lawyer, I hate to share the spotlight. I'm just going to talk for a minute on on how we met and then. Okay. um you can tease some of this out. So I have a uh, a 21 year old daughter, and about I don't know a number of years ago, we were looking at residential treatment programs for my daughter, and our educational consultant had narrowed it down to a couple, and um, that is not a pleasant experience, <laughs> and and it's kind of hard to judge. You know, you're trying to guess where your daughter's going to be, where my daughter is going to be most comfortable, and as soon as I talked to Angie, I knew. I knew I was home and I knew she was home. And what I recognized is that one, she had the quality to one, she would set boundaries, which we all parents, I don't want to steal your thunder. We'll talk about that. (laughs) But in terms of my own needs, I knew that you could set boundaries, but at the same time, I could see that you had no limitations in terms of what you thought. And I thought, wow, what a beautiful needle to thread to be able to set boundaries and see no. And then the more we talked, the more we've, been looking, you know, kind of exploring. You kept telling me, you know, I'm, I'm impatient. We're going to, the right time's going to come. The right time's going to come. And now the right time is here. So that's how we met. And I want you to, first of all, just kind of pro- tell people professionally what it is that you, you know, kind of what your day job is. Mm, and that's a real dog job. that just walked behind you, right? That's not, yeah, a, that's not a prop. No, that's, that's my dog. That was Tucker. Um, okay. So what I do in my day job, I, I own three young adult rent transitional living programs that are um, very small, um, very family operated. Um, When I say that, I mean, we operate like a family unit. Um, And the whole goal is to help each one of the young adults who participates in our programs to find their own highest level of independence with purpose and meaning and safety in their lives. That's kind of been my mission since I started this. So, um, I've I've got I'm on close to 30 years experience in the therapeutic industry. I've run wilderness programs. I've worked in residential treatment and now I'm in young adult transitional living. And I have done a lot of work with parents and families and I have become a certified shamanic practitioner that's part of my day job as well. So when people ask me what I do, I tend to say I help people solve problems and I help people change perspective. And I think that that kind of sums up what I do on a day-to-day basis. Um, And then of course there are a lot of facets to that, a lot of, a lot of different things, not unlike you and what you do in your day-to-day facets of your life. Um, But, you know, helping people solve problems and helping them change perspective is is important. So I'm going to, I'm going to bookmark the shamanic piece and come back to it um, because there's one, there's something that I just knowing you having visited you in your natural habitat there mm-hmm. <laughs> and seeing you and knowing that, Oh, on one day, you know, you showed me your chicken mushrooms that you're cooking this morning and you'll be singing the next, you know, you'll be performing the next day and you'll have your camps the next day. And you know, you'll be with your boots out there shoveling crap in the next day. How did, which is, you know, one of the things you and I both do, and you're very adept at is being able to kind of see someone's past and the history and events and kind of get the trajectory of their life, you know, kind of how, what seems like a mess or it seems like random, you know, random incidents actually are, are, are a, 
uh, a thread or actually a, a lifeline. And looking back at, at your life, what you know, kind of give us a little bit of your background, but in in, in kind of the way of how this has perfectly prepared you or formulated you to be able to perform the miracles that you perform. Um, I think that goes back to even when I was a little girl, when I was a child and I had a very idyllic childhood. And I used to think when I started working with at-risk kids, you know, challenged kids, whatever, however we want to say it, these very beautiful human beings who have to find a unique way to shine in the world. Um, and I wondered, like, why is this population that's coming to me for assistance and help when I had this idyllic childhood and family life and I have I've not experienced what they've experienced? So I questioned I questioned the trajectory of my life um, on based on that. But as I look back at it now, I can see how it was absolutely perfect for me to have had that kind of a childhood because I've been the one bringing home the spray my whole life and mm. to be able to. Angie, one of the things that I've noticed um, in kind of the magic that you do and the brilliance in which you do it is that you can look at people's past kind of incidents, formative incidents, random incidents, and see them not just as things that happened, but kind of get a sense of the trajectory of where it's going and how, Oh, this was the perfect preparation for that. Mm-hmm. So having watched you in your natural habitat, you know, that you're, you are really, you're in, you're in the country out there and Mm -hmm. you're a country person, you know, very sophisticated one. How did, uh, looking back, how did your life kind of prepare you or formulate you to be doing what you're doing in the way that Mm -hmm. you're doing it? Um, it's a great question. And now where I'm at in my life now, which, you know, I have almost 30 years experience in, in education and therapeutic industry. And as I look back on it, I can 100% see how my trajectory, my my process of growth and experience really got me to where I am in this moment. And that's from when I was a child. And I really had a very idyllic childhood. I grew up on a farm. You could write a storybook about my childhood. Uh, my parents are together. They've been married for 57 years. And I grew up with my grandparents and my great grandparents for a while. So I had a very cohesive family life and a and um I guess a, a really, really strong base and was told I could be or do anything I wanted to my whole life. There was never a point that I was told I couldn't or held back for any reason, being female, being from West Virginia, being blonde, whatever, you know, all of the things that I wrote a I wrote a paper in college about why, why I, how I could be successful being a blonde because people judge you when you have blonde hair, like, you know, so, so all of these things that maybe could hold other people back or cause people to trip up, they were just things that kind of projected me into the future. And, um, you know, I started in education, I started as a teacher, and then I was just continually drawn to work with those really unique, gifted individuals who have to find a unique path to success and independence in the world. And that's, whether they are or were kids in elementary school, middle school, high school, or, you know, working in a wilderness program or working in a residential treatment program, or now in a young adult transitional living program, working in a college setting. Those are all places that I've been, but no matter what the environment has been, the work that I've done has always been the same. It's, it's always, I've always trusted the process. Even before I really understood what that meant, I trusted the process. And so the people who came into my awareness, came into my life, came into my work, whatever it was, they were there for a reason. And so my my goal, like I said, what I do on a day-to-day basis is I solve problems and I change perspective. And I've always done that. Now, 30 years ago, I wouldn't tell you, oh, I'm I'm solving problems and I'm changing people's perspective. No, I'm teaching school, you know, or mm. I'm running a wilderness program. Those were the things that I would say that I was doing. And those were my job titles. But now it doesn't matter what my job title is. It, what matters is that I'm helping solve problems and I'm changing perspective. And so, you know, you talk about the threads of things that happen in people, people's lives. Every journey is perfect. And that includes the really, really hard stuff. And I've had really, really hard stuff in my life, but it's it's been a perfect part 
of what needed to happen in order for me to be here in this place where I have wisdom to share with other people and where I have the ability to help other people find their own wisdom. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This episode of Exceptional Parents and Extraordinary Challenges is being brought to you by Mindfully Aware. Mindfully Aware is my company, and through Mindfully Aware, we offer services for folks who are looking for ways to find healing in their lives or looking for ways to just live a more intentional life and finding true purpose and meaning. So if you're interested in the services, you can visit our website, livingmindfullyaware.com. You can also reach out to me directly, mindfulangie at gmail.com. Wow, that's beautiful. Because you're dealing with real problems. I mean, what people would consider real, let's call them, I like to call them challenges, okay, mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. What are the, what, what probably our listeners would think of as, as problems. Mm-hmm. And yet it seems as you have the capacity to feel kind of the perfection of their journey within that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I wanted to know how you, how do you, you know, you're, you're very, I want to give, give us a sense of the kind of, People, kind of young adults, or I know you work mm-hmm. with, like in your in your camps, you work with older people. You know, you work with mm-hmm. a, a more mature group as well. Give give the listeners an idea of the kind of people that you work with, so they can kind of relate to their own situation. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a wide variety. Mm-hmm. I you know I work the people who come into my life who are seeking help or see, seeking assistance or seeking guidance. It's it's families that may have a child or a young adult on the autism spectrum or may have some learning differences, or they may have trauma um, and they're in trauma response, or they have mental health challenges or emotional dysregulation. Um, you know, families that are have family dysregulation, the family system is not working well, and they're not sure what to do. They've been overwhelmed. And with this young adult population, you know, we're in, like you mentioned, this is how we met, you know, you you have a daughter who for most of her life, you had to be her protector, her advocate, um, the person who made sure she got her services, that her needs were met. All of that, you and her mother both had to play that role. And it was very appropriate for you to do that. But when you and I met, it was at a point where that needed to shift because she no longer needed all of that protection or rescuing. And there's we, we'll, we'll learn a lot about that as we we talk through on these podcasts. But you know, she was at a point where it was really important for you to understand that her journey was perfect and that you didn't need to step in and change her journey, that you had to allow her to be on her journey and that your journey as her father is also perfect, but you can make different choices. And I think that's a really important thing. No matter what the challenge is in front of you, you have choice. There's always choice. And and when you have more awareness and you have more perspective, your ability to make that choice is stronger. And I think for a lot of parents, that's a tough thing. It's really hard to get perspective when you're in the weeds. You know, that mm-hmm. saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. Well, when you were you were in the trees with your daughter and all you could see were the challenges and the problems and the hardships and, you know, all of the emotions that go with that. But once you've got some perspective to that whole process, then you were able to make different choices for yourself, which then had a very positive impact on your daughter. And I think that is kind of in a nutshell what most people need. So one is I, I'm thinking about the, the my my parents, parents I know who have challenging children. Mm-hmm. And and I could see two different categories. One of them, I, I say he sees the world through rose colored glasses. Mm-hmm. And I and you know, we talk and I say, you know, like I won't use the name, but I say, my friend, I've been, you know, I'm six years ahead of you with my daughter. I see mm-hmm. this, don't you? And he, no, no, it's fine. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And everything, she's on a perfect journey. Everything's fine. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they're taking one piece of what you're saying. Yeah. And then I have others who are just so obsessed with the problem that they're solving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they can't imagine that this could be perfect that their daughter signed themselves into a, a you know into a, an institution or that mm-hmm. they ran away or you know some of the things that you and I are familiar with mm-hmm. so how do you you know it seems like an either or mm-hmm. and i want i don't know how you can unpack this in a way i want people to appreciate how unique and brilliant you are in being able to give me tough love 
really, you know, real advice. Hey, get your head out of your ass, <laughs> you know, see what's there. It's time to do this. Mm-hmm. And at the same time to keep me and others from falling into the trap of just feeling like, oh my God, this is a mess and I'll never solve it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, oh, there's, they're talking about a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack in that, <laughs> a lot to talk about. Um, and, you know, we're going to do more of these podcasts and we're going to talk about so much of this, but, you know, a couple of key things, I think it's really, really important for parents to step out of the place of being reactive. Um, and I'm, I'm a parent. I have, I have two biological children. I have two stepchildren. They're, they're all four of my children and they are four very unique young adults at this point in their lives. And so I've walked this path in addition to being able to help other people. And when it is your child, it is really, really hard to not be emotionally reactive to what's happening with them, to them, for them, or what they are also doing to you. Right. And so we fall into these roles and we feel like we're being victimized by our children. And then we feel like we're rescuing our children or we feel like our our child is being victimized by somebody else. And we have to step in and make that victimization stop. And the really important thing is to realize we don't have to have an emotional reaction to everything Mm -hmm. that happens. And when we're able to step out of that emotional reaction, and the first part of that is awareness that we're actually in it, when we can step out of that, then that's when we start to gain some bigger picture perspective, you know, so, and every situation is unique. Every family is unique. Every child's challenge is unique. Every parent is unique. And, you know, the, the, situation that that families get into it's all very unique so you have to take it as it comes and for me you know i don't sit around and go okay well i every parent that i meet is going to do a b c and d wow it's really raining here <laughs> every parent's going to go into the same box i that can't happen and so when i talk to a parent i talk to them from where they are meet them where they are And, you know, are they in a place where they need to be emotionally reactive because their child's life is in danger? That's one one place. Right. Or are they in a place where they can step back a little bit because nothing's going to be a disaster in this moment or even tomorrow or probably this week? Maybe they just disagree with where that child is, regardless of where what age group we're talking about, you know. And so getting that perspective and and understanding that you don't have to be emotionally reactive to everything, I think, is really the critical first step. Well, I think one of one of your superpowers. Is I think you just triage so beautifully. You know, it's just when I when I was in touch and I went in touch with you. There were times when I it was da- it was dangerous, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it was like, hey, we're not don't talk to me about philosophy. I'm talking mm-hmm. about what I need to change in myself. To, you know, how do we just protect my daughter? Mm-hmm. What do we got to do to protect my daughter? And there's other times when I'm in touch with you and like we're not even talking about behavior. We're right. talking about something very different. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's if there's any way if, you know you can respond to that or whether I kind of answered my own question. But where does that discernment come from, or how? Or how can um, you help? Maybe maybe a way to rephrase that, or is this maybe a you know one A and a one B is how can you help parents make that same kind of discernment in in their situation to be able mm-hmm. to do that kind of triaging and know when I got to keep my daughter alive and when I got to just ignore my daughter's behavior and really mm-hmm. see what's happening inside of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think in some ways you did answer your own questions, and in some ways that that's that's really a part of what I do. And how do I do that? How do I know? I like the word triage. I like the way that you talk about that is like, you know, the first time that you talk with a family, it's like, for me, I'm, I'm really listening with a, uh, an ear to that person's soul's journey. You know, where are they mm-hmm. on their soul's journey? And, you know, are they, are they just starting on this journey or have they been on it for a long time? How tired is their soul? You know, that's a question that I ask myself, like, mm-hmm. how tired is this person's soul? And what can I do to help them move forward? And where are they in their process? You know, okay, so I just want to stop you, right? Because there's something here. I think, I think so many people's antenna just went up when you said there's a tired soul. Mm-hmm. I want you to talk about that from just from the inside of what that experience is. And, and, and any, I don't even say advice. I mean, it's almost like saying, Hey, acknowledge the fact you got a tired soul. Mm-hmm. So just take a moment. And if you wouldn't just speak to that, what yeah. do you mean by that? How does that, um, how does that, how does that appear? You know, I look at the world through different levels of perception. 
And most people are living in a very literal world. And they've had to, like I said, you know, you've had to like literally save your child's life or literally go to the IEP meeting or literally take your child to the hospital or literally whatever, move your child out of her apartment because there may or may not be mold, right? Um, so there are these very literal things that have to happen in, in, in parenting. And when you are parenting a child with extraordinary challenges, regardless of the age, it's really easy to be stuck in that literal world. So when I'm talking to somebody, I hear what they're saying to me about their literal world. I need, you know, when I was talking to you the very first time you were talking about you need to get your daughter into a program because of ABCD. This is what's happening. We have to change it. This is not working. We have to do something different. And, and so there, and it wasn't a full on crisis, but it was close. And you were in a very emotionally reactive place with it. And so for me, when I heard you talking, I heard a dad who was trying to do the right thing for his daughter. I also heard a man who had a tired soul. Somebody who has dealt with the the trauma around trying to help a child for many, many years, you know, and everything that goes with that, the anxiety, the disagreements with the other parent, the the whole the family dynamic that is in, at sometimes toxic, but re, but revolving around the child. And so that tired soul piece, it's it's when I hear an individual unable to kind of get a breath because all they're doing is like, okay, I had right now I have to do this. And then, and when that's done, I'm going to do this. And then when this is done, I'm going to do this. And when this is done, I'm going to do this. And there's no time to go step back and go, damn, I'm tired. I'm okay, tired. So I, I want to play on that. Cause that's so clear. I, I just feel, I feel the listeners, you know, I feel them saying, Oh my God, having this, Oh my God moment. And of course, you know, self-care is like, mm -hmm. it's a buzzword. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of, and, you know, again, from being my daughter, being in programs and going to weekends and talking to other parents and stuff, I've seen that a lot of times self-care is actually reverts into or, or can be conflated with self-indulgence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, my self-care is I got to, I got to have a drink mm -hmm. or I got to get the hell away or I, you know, whatever mm -hmm. this is. So how, how do you help parents or how, or what advice, how do you want to frame it? Mm -hmm. How do you help? What, how do we feed our souls? How do we so feed our souls in a way that, that is self-care and not self-indulgence? Well, the first thing we have to do is we have to understand the difference between running and rescuing versus truly taking care of yourself. Right. Could so you repeat that because hold on, it just the, the internet went out and I didn't get the word. So we, okay. first of all, we have to get the difference between. We have to get the difference when when you're talking about that self indulgent piece. That's really you're rescuing yourself. You, you're you're in mm. this place where you're you're in a, a a chaotic moment, and as a parent, you don't really have somebody else to come in and rescue from it rescue you from that chaotic moment with your kid, right? You're going to try to do that for yourself. So let's talk about what a rescue is just for a second. So a rescue is when you feel a lot of pressure from some direction and something happens that causes that pressure to be relieved for a temporary amount of time, right? So, you know, let's say, for example, that um, we have a family and we have a, a child in that family and they play mom against dad all the time. Well, mom said I could. And dad's like, well, you know, I said you couldn't. And so I'm, I'm going to I'm going to hold myself to this and I'm not going to let you do what you were doing. And so you create a very, a very uh, contentious moment there with that child and that father. And then let's say that the mom comes in to that situation and says, oh, no, I think it's fine and takes the child and does whatever the child wants. OK, so there's been a momentary release of the pressure it's kind of like you know when you shake up the coke in the bottle and you take the lid off just a little bit and some pressure comes out and you put the lid back on it's still going to explode if you take that lid completely off okay so a rescue is like that whatever that rescue looks like some of what you're talking about that self-indulgent piece you know you, you i i 
talk to a lot of parents who have young adults who are stepping out into the world and they're making some really horrific choices. You know, maybe they've chosen to go live with a boyfriend in a town 20 miles away and they're basically homeless because they didn't have a good plan before they went off and did that. Right. But you have a young adult who is legally a young adult and there's nothing as a parent you can really do to stop that. Now, a lot of parents will be in a place of panic over that, right? And so they know they can't legally legally step in and stop that process. And so what they may do is they may choose to have a drink or seven, or they may choose to go to the spa for three days. Or they. So when you're talking about those kinds of things, what you're doing is you're just avoiding the problem and you're giving yourself a temporary rescue. Right. Because when you sober up from those seven drinks or you come back from the spa, your child is still in that next town and you're still in that same place of now, oh, holy crap, what do we do? Right. And so it's helping it's helping the parents of young adults and because that's the population I work with the most, helping parents of young adults to understand that there is a place of letting go and that when there is that place of letting go, that's when that self-care or that choice to have a different perspective or that choice to be responding versus reacting to a situation, that choice comes in. And so you don't need that rescue for yourself. You know, you don't have to, you know, you were talking about the rose colored glasses. That's a rescue. That's mm-hmm. a temporary relief, relieving of the pressure. Oh, it's fine. It's, it's, I'm just going to avoid this right now because I can see this much of it and this much of it is fine. So I'm not going to talk about this part over here and it'll work itself out. No. And that's, we all were guilty of that at some point. It's like, I don't want to deal with the hard stuff, so I'm just going to avoid it. And, you know, maybe it'll work itself out. Well, There's a big difference between the pause, which is something I teach and we're going to talk more about taking that pause to gain perspective and totally avoiding the problem. You know, we we all have problems in our lives, no matter where they are, no matter what they are. We all have problems all the time. Becoming aware of them is really super important. It can be as simple as I'm out of creamer for my coffee in the morning. So what are my choices? Well, I cannot have it. I can go to a coffee shop or I can run to the store. Like there are choices and you make a choice to solve that as an adult. That same process happens in every aspect of your life, but we have to have awareness of it. And we have to be in a place of not panicking. Oh my God, I can't even get up in the morning because I don't have Kramer for my coffee. You know, that's an emotional reaction. A response is there's no Kramer. Okay, let me pause and think about that. Okay, here are my choices. I'm going to make a choice, right? So that's kind of a facetious example, but that's how the process works. So how, again, I have so many questions. It's like, okay, you know, so, ooh, let's, let's choose that one. <laughs> what do you see that works for, for feeding? What, what, you, you've seen parents who successfully feed their soul. Yep. Yes, I have. Is there, and I know it's, could you just give some guidance? So people, people mm-hmm. have to thinking, okay, how do I, how do I feed my soul in a way that actually feeds it and isn't just masking, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, number one, you don't have to reply to every text. Every text is not a crisis. <laughs> every phone call is not a crisis. There, there are two buttons on the phone for a reason, you know. So you, every, every time your child, regardless of age, screams about something, and I'm using that word to cover a lot, whether yeah. it's a text message or whether it's a literal screaming, "Hey, I need this" or whatever, you don't have to react to that. You can, you can say, "Hold on, I'm not, I'm not in a place to talk about that right now." You know, even if you're in a conversation with your child and your child puts you on the spot over something, you can you can say, you know, I'm really right now is not the time to talk about it. I'm 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 gonna get back to you. And and if you're not confident enough to do that, you can say, Wow, I gotta run to the restroom, I will call you back, right? There are lots of things that we can do as an adult that we do at work, we do in our friendships, we do it every place else, but we don't do it with our kid. We feel like we have to be immediately reactive to whatever's happening with our children, and we do not. Again, safety is one thing, but just in your day-to-day life and trying to empower your children to be their own person, don't be reactive to everything that's happening. That's number one. Um, Number two is like, hey, do you remember what it was that you used to dream? What was it that you dreamed about in your life? What did you want to do? Where did you want to go? Now, did you want to sing? Did you did you want to paint? Did you want to travel? What what did you have to set aside because you have a child with extraordinary challenges? And so you've had to focus on that. What did you set aside? Because now is the time to feed yourself with that. You know, one of the things that I do is is I 
could facilitate a, a hiking trip in Tuscany for parents of young adults who are in transitional living. And I do that with my my friends, Kim and Eric, who own Alchemy Adventures. And it's a it's a process that we've put together because we saw the need for parents to have their own experiences. And so you give yourself the gift of peace and adventure and travel. And even if it's, you know, go on a date night, you know, do you remember why you fell in love with your spouse? These are all real examples of things that I've done with with parents to help them sort of get back to that place of who are you? Because you are not just the parent of a child with extraordinary challenges. You know, you are a a unique human and you have had dreams and hopes and you've accomplished so much. And how often do you take the time to reflect on what you've accomplished in the last however long it's been, you know, 15 years, 16 years, 20 years, 30 years? What have you accomplished? And, you know, for me, it's amazing to see what parents have accomplished while also being in that place of having to be reactive and advocate for and shepherd a a child with challenges through life. And so I'm working with these really, really talented, unique, amazing humans, and they have to remember who they are besides parent of insert the name and and that's the difference between selfish and self-care i think Mm -hmm. i mean there's a way that you think i need to put my life on hold Mm -hmm. until Mm -hmm. and it doesn't look like you know i I realize my my, there's not going to be an until no (laughs) no there's no such thing as put your life on hold you know i say that to the young adults that i'm working with but i say it to parents too like Every day you're living, every minute of every day is you're living and you don't get that minute back. And so, you know, so many, so many families that I work with, all the members in the family are like, well, you know, as soon as so-and-so is finished with the wilderness program, we will be able to blah, blah, blah. As soon as so-and-so, you know, learns how to keep a job, then we'll be able to da-da-da. It's the if-then trap that you fall into because you're living your life right now, every minute of every day. And if you're not present in it and you're not grateful for what you have, you're missing out and you're not Mm -hmm. taking care of yourself. And here's the key. If you're not doing those things for yourself, you are not helping your child because your child is not going to be successful if you put your life on hold waiting for that child to find success. That becomes a spiral that goes down, not a spiral that goes up. And so it is a parallel process. As a, as a parent really does engage in self-care and become strong and become aware and remember their hopes, their dreams and what they want to do and start doing some of those things. It is an incredibly important example for an adolescent or a young adult to see that process happen because no matter what, no matter how injured the relationship is, every child looks to that parent as an example. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It can be a really great, can be a really horrid, whatever. Every child looks to a parent as an example. And so, you know, if you have a parent who is so incredibly overwhelmed with what's happening in their lives that they can't even find time to you know, take a shower, go get their nails done, grab a cup of coffee with a friend, take a hike, go work out, have a healthy meal. That child is not going to do those things either. So that that example is such an important part of this process. And I think that that's something and, and, and something you said, selfish versus self-care. I think so many parents have a lot of guilt around doing something for themselves when their children are not in a place where they can benefit from that. But what they don't understand is that their children will benefit from that because they will see this happening. And there are so many levels of why children need to see that. They they need to see it as an example. They also need to see it because they need to understand that the the whole family is not revolving around them. That's important. And and I know this is your interview. It's hard for me not to not to give an example. No, go ahead. I, I but I I've learned with your guidance, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about that guidance. Because there's something I want to talk some some real practical things that I want to get in some stuff that I think is overarching, but that 
now my daughter's 21 and the relationship that we have, she, what she knows more about anything I've ever said, done, not done is that I trust life. Mm -hmm. And I live my life as someone who trusts life, who loves the people that's in front of him. And, and she, she might not even be able to articulate Mm -hmm. what it is, but she's in my field. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of the beautiful things that you do is you working with families, you're able to create that field where independent of, you know, strategies, medications, programs, Mm -hmm. they're swimming in whatever, whatever you're manifesting in your own life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really beautiful way to say it because it's true. You know, there's even, even the, the young woman who says, I'm going to go live with my boyfriend in the next town. And oh, by the way, we don't have money to get a place and I'm homeless. So I'm going to sleep in his car for the next three days. Still in your field, still in the parents field, you know, mm-hmm. and trusting the process and understanding that sometimes they have to make those hard decisions. Sometimes they, they will get a plane ticket and fly across the country and then let you know they're there, right? <laughs> this is something uh, Dave went through. <laughs> um, and of course, parents are going to panic, you know, but it's so important to not be fear-based all the time because Very they good. are way more capable than we give them credit for, way more capable and way more aware than we give them credit for, regardless of what that challenge is. We don't give our children enough credit for what they see, what they process, how they're gaining skills. And yeah, sometimes they're going to make really horrible decisions, but that's also part of their learning process. And you know what? We all have to learn how to fail successfully. And that's a real critical piece of this is you failed. I failed. We came back from it. We we survived it. But we tend to not want our children to experience failure because we we're afraid that they already have all these challenges and all these other failures have been around right. them. And then if they have this big failure, what's going to happen to them? They're going to become resilient. That's what's going to happen to them. You know, they're going to be resilient. They have to fail and they have to learn to fail successfully. That's beautiful. So I. I have a practical question and then I have a question that's very close to my heart, our okay. hearts. And the, hurts. and the second one, the second one is really has so much to do with the process that you've shepherded me through. So, so if you were going to, and maybe it's a recap of some of the things, but I'm, I'm, I'm a parent. I'm listening to this thing. Wow. That's beautiful. Oh, that's great. Oh, I'll never mm-hmm. do that. Oh, I've already done that. Whatever <laughs> yeah. the hell they're telling. Whatever yeah. Are telling. yeah. And, you know, and, and again, you and <laughs> we can unpack any one of your answers into a podcast. Mm-hmm. Maybe we will. Yeah. So if you had to pick like three, okay, so parents in front of you, mm-hmm. they're there for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and they're, they're the generic parent. And you got to say, here's the three bits of wisdom. Now go forth and send them more, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Can yeah. you, can you summarize that for people? Um, I can. I, I think number one, it's really super important to understand um, the, the two triangles and my favorite way to, to to learn about the triangle is through the book, The Power of Ted, which is by David Emerald. I'm a huge fan and I use that a lot in my work. And so understanding the two triangles that we live in in our world and where are you? Are you in uh, an empowerment dynamic where you're creating your life and you're empowering those around you? Or are you in a drama triangle where you are either persecuting or rescuing somebody all the time because every child steps into the next phase of their life as a victim because that's just, we all did it. That's what we do. And so the whole goal is to empower them to be able to create their own lives. So I think that is number one. You've got to understand where you are in this relationship dynamic. And and number one, (laughs) as you know it, then you have to accept it. You have to open your eyes and you have to be okay with what is because once you know what is, then you can step out to change it. What do you can want you to do? Can you talk about those triangles? I know I know it, but but yeah. maybe others don't. So in the, in the, what David Emerald refers to as the drama triangle, you have three roles. You have a victim, you have a persecutor, and you have a rescuer. And we all can step into that at any given time. And families tend to be into that. You know, exactly what I talked about earlier is you've had, you have parents who have been, who've had to shepherd their child from a very young age through to whatever age they are now, you know, whether it's 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, whatever it is, um, they've had to shepherd them to this point. And then when they get to me, I'm saying, no, you don't want to do that anymore because they've, they've rescued them when they haven't had friends. 
They've they've rescued them when they've gotten in trouble with the law. They've rescued them when they were failing out of a class, you know, whatever it is. And and they've advocated for them. And that's an important piece. But they have also fallen into rescuing them. And when you rescue another human, you take all their power away. You tell them they are unable to create and be strong and be empowered for themselves. You take all their power away. So understanding where you are in that dynamic is important. And then realizing that the opposite of that is that you as a human are a creator in your own life. What are you creating? And as a creator in your life, you're going to have people who coach you. You and I do that for each other, right? And you're going to have people who challenge you. You're going to have situations that challenge you. And you can overcome those. You know, it's like there's no Kramer for coffee in the morning. That's a challenging situation. If I want to be a victim about it, then, oh, my God, I can't get up. If I want to be a creator, then I say, okay, well, this is a challenge. So what are my options to solve this problem? Right. So then I'm in that empowerment dynamic and and I get to create my own life. And so understanding where your family is, which triangle are you living in? You know, the ultimate goal is to step out of a, a triangle altogether. You know, that that's 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 the ultimate goal for every individual that takes a lot of work and, and a lot of time. But that's the ultimate goal right now. It's understanding the two triangles and where are you living as a family? Which one are you in? So I think that is really an important piece of this. The other part that I would say you said three things. That's one thing. The second thing that I would say is stop living from a, from fear. Stop living from fear and lack. Because when you are living from fear and lack, you are 100% reacting to everything that's in your in your path, that everything that comes into your path, you're reacting to it. Good, bad, doesn't matter. You're reacting. If you're reacting, then you're coming from an emotional place. And underneath emotion is typically fear and lack. So, you know, even if it's anger, it's usually fear or lack. So where what are you reacting to right now? Become aware of that. And what is your greatest fear? You know, the way that we can really, there's no such thing as overcoming fear. There's only integrating fear. And so the greatest way to integrate the fear is to recognize it and know what it is. So what is your greatest fear? You know, for a lot of parents, the greatest fear is my child is going to die. And for a lot of parents, sadly, that's a fear that they have to actually wrap their head around. They have to integrate that into life, you know, and that's a tough one. That's a very tough one. I've had to be in that space. And I've had to integrate that into my life. You know, it's not overcome. It's it's just integrated. And it's, you know, but it can't be the determining factor on how you empower your child moving forward. So fear, fear and lack. So understanding the, the triangles, understanding what your greatest fear is and recognizing when you you are operating from that piece. And then the next piece is spending time in a daily gratitude for everything that you have and everything that you are as a human, not your children. Now, when I ask a parent, what are you most grateful for? They will typically first off say my family, my children. Now I am so incredibly grateful for my family. I truly am. And I have a grandson who I adore and he's amazing. And I'm, I love this grandma role in my life, you know, and I'm so, but that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, what am I grateful for? Every morning when I get up, I'm grateful that I get to sit in my backyard and watch my chickens and my turkeys. And I'm grateful for that cup of coffee and the creamer. And I'm grateful for the incredible relationships that I have, like this one with you and the opportunities that they bring me. And I'm grateful for the ability to be able to share wisdom with other people that may be able to help them. Those are the kinds of things that as individuals, we need to be grateful for. So Understanding the triangles, the roles of the triangle, and knowing where you are. Really wrapping your head around what is your greatest fear and integrating that into your world so that you're not reactive to it any longer and knowing there is no overcoming fear. And then number three, a daily gratitude practice that has nothing to do with anybody but you. Those are the three things that I would say are the most important steps to take to begin this journey of shifting yourself and shifting your family. Wow. That is beautiful. I, I have another question. I'm going to ask, we may cut it out because what you just said was like <laughs> the perfect, it was like, okay, shut up, Dave. <laughs> but I, but I want to get this out. And like I said, we can decide whether we keep it or not. That you taught, you used the word surrender. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a charged word and a misunderstood mm-hmm. word. And mm-hmm. 
and uh, and what you were so helpful for me, and it was just turned to be such a critical piece in my own parenting, was I the what I the hardest thing for me to surrender was the dream that I had for my daughter of what she was going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as much as I said I wanted to have her own life, and I'm looking for what she can do, and it might not be what I think it was. There was that. It wasn't until, but well, once let's put it way, once I was able to let go of that, mm-hmm. and it was like a death. Mm-hmm. And I remember you said, "Grieve it." Mm-hmm. You actually told me to grieve I because did. it was so hard for me to just say, "Wait a minute, she's not going to be." I held that baby in my arms when she was twenty hours old. They took her out of her mother, you know, her birth mother's arms, and put her in my arms, and I saw her, and I had. I could feel without knowing what the next 21 years is going to look like. And they look nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So how, you know, it's, I don't know if there's anything you can say to that. Is there anything you can say to parents in terms of assisting them in that process, which life will just have to do for them yeah. where they can let go of their, of their image of what they want and allow that child to be grow into mm-hmm. exactly who that child's supposed to grow into be. I, yeah, you know, the first time that I said this to somebody was in the early 2000s, and I was running a wilderness program, and I would participate. We had three or two, we had two parent workshops as part of our wilderness program at the time, and we had an incredible cl- clinician who ran the the parent workshops, and I would always come in for a part of that. And the first time that I ever said that to somebody was during that time, because it really struck me how the parents were still hanging on to that picture of what they thought should be. And I had gotten to know their son for this really incredible human that he is, which was not at all what they had envisioned for them. And so I realized that those parents had planned this before this child was born they had planned it probably before they got married, you know, we'll have a child and this child will be this and we'll give this child all these opportunities. And, and, you know, you really do have to grieve that like a death because it's not something that you can just shift and go, Oh, well, he's not that it's not that easy because we want certain things for our kids And as parents, we're supposed to, that's what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to want more for our kids than we had for ourselves, or we want them to be happier or whatever it is. So when we realize that the child we have is not the child we thought we were going to get, and that can happen at five or five months or 25, in that moment, we have to grieve that dream that we had because if if as parents if we don't grieve that and we don't truly release that then we never ever get to truly appreciate what an incredible human has come into our lives or surrender to the fact that this incredible human is in our lives for a reason and there's something for us to gain you know we're all players in everybody else's journey. And we're we're very ego-driven humans. And so we think everything's about us. We have to remember that we have our journey, but we're also a player in somebody else's journey. And so that child is a player in ours and we're uh, we're players in that child's journey. So, you know, allowing yourself to go, God, you know, I really, really wanted this this boy to grow up and be married with children and be a successful engineer and you know to to be able to go as far in college I, I have a college fund and I want this I want this kid to be successful in college and have all these degrees and and you know be this this vision of success that I've had for my child we really have to allow ourselves to go dang okay I gotta let that go and that's sad it's sad mm-hmm. to let that go but I, you know? what I want and what's on the other side of that I want I want to end on that upbeat. Tell me yeah. what what's on the other side of that is an incredible piece is a family dynamic with a lot of respect, with a lot of acceptance. And, you know, you talked about the word surrender and it's interesting. Surrender has been in in my immediate awareness for the last for two solid years. 
And I absolutely 100% know that surrender is not giving up. Surrender Mm -hmm. is allowing. Mm -hmm. And yet it's something I continue to work on daily. And for you to bring that word up, I think that's a really important part of this, of what is on the other side of that dream and that grieving and that letting go of what you wanted, because then you get to surrender to what is. And all of the hard things, all of the challenges, all of the times that you were pulling your hair out, all of the times that you were fighting with a spouse or a co-parent or a step parent or a program or a teacher, all of those things that were so overwhelming for you, you get to surrender to, okay, who is this incredible, unique human that's in front of me right now? What are the wonderful things Mm -hmm. about this human that I get to be a part of? And imagine, Andrew, when you say that, what a gift that is to give to your children. Oh, gosh. I mean, can't give them a bigger one. No. And that is just such a perfect place. And it's the greatest gift is just to see them as they and see them as they are. And and all of us, we have no choice. We're going through this process, you know, kicking Mm -hmm. and screaming, Mm -hmm. drinking, carousing. You know, surrender, yeah. you know, locked in a closet or whatever the hell we're doing. We're going to go workaholic, workoutaholic, <laughs> whatever holic we choose to be. Yeah, we're all going mm-hmm. through it. And I'm just so grateful because, you know, I can't, I can declare victory, even mm-hmm. though, you know, if we talk all the time and I say, Angie, what the hell am I going to do today? You know, yeah. but there's something so beautiful because I can actually see her for who she is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's really painful. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's really beautiful, but it, it it is. And I don't have that feeling of overwhelm, confusion. You know, I might experience those, but my mm-hmm. gen my gen my general sense of parenting is is if I just let her be who she is, mm-hmm. and then she feels free to be who she is. Mm-hmm. And and thank I just thank you so much for that gift that you've given to me and to so many others. And Angie, this has been just a great kickoff. I know you and I could talk for hours. <laughs> We let could. You, let me ask you one more thing, and, and uh-huh. you know we can, whatever, leave it in here or put it somewhere else. Why? Why? What do you want to do for? Why? Why are we doing this? Why are why we are doing you, this? Podcast? Why? Why are you doing this? Why? Why are we doing this from your perspective? Well, because I do really trust the process. I really trust my journey, and I have incredible people around me all the time that are supporting me in doing what I do, which is really hard to put into words. And I feel like I have wisdom. I have information that I need to share with other people. And you and I have talked for quite some time about how how our journeys could come together to allow us to share the wisdom that we both have with the world and with the people who need it. And I trust that the people who need this are going to find it. And so I'm really excited to do this podcast so that we can talk on all these different topics that we've kind of touched on during this inaugural podcast um, and to be able to share the joint wisdom and the individual wisdom that we have. I I feel like it's just, I'm just surrendering to the process. I feel like it's just the right time. You're eating your own cooking. We both are. (laughs) (laughs) Canaan Valley Spa is a world-class destination in Davis, West Virginia, providing an experience of wellness and comfort to visitors. Go to www.canaanvalleyspawwv.com to learn more.